Sing it along. This is Old Church Choir.
Captain Max for Gabriel, and Gabriel has a testimony he wants to share tonight. So before we do any announcements or before we take up the tithes and offerings. God bless everybody. I'm used to the fact that in Spanish we say esta bendiga, everybody says amen. You guys have a similar thing. God is good all the time. Uh, so we, I used to play at white churches a long time ago. Uh, not, not in an offensive way. I just, in the valley, we're all Hispanics. Majority is Hispanics. I just want to share something real quick. And, uh, and now we got a brand new for myself and from the team that helped us, uh, the, the missionary that, that was out there and helped us out. It was a great, great blessing. So we got to give away, we don't know how many, and I'll tell you why. We got to take 63 backpacks from here, down south. Uh, I stopped in Houston, a pastor called me, he says, hey, we have an offering we'd like to share with y'all and use it as you're gonna need it back home. And uh, you know, we accepted it. We went home and we filled up, I took a, a roll of bags from, from, from work, of, of trash bags, and in each bag we filled 10 backpacks. So we only had six bags of trash, right? Those trash bags, <laughs> they were clean, they were new. Um, and the other three, we just kind of left them on there. We went packed, my truck was packed, I had sound equipment, I had my mom's guitar, my guitar, uh, amps. We had a bunch of stuff. My truck was packed, and then I, I had a dog in there and a cat. And that. Uh, <laughs> planning to give them away, but yeah, nobody wanted them. But um, it was a blessing because when we got there, well, I was telling the brother here that uh, I didn't tell nobody this, but on Wednesday, the city shut me down. The Wednesday that I was here, the, the last Wednesday I was here, the city called me and said, the director of the Parks and Recreation, he called me and says, hey, I can't let you use a park if you're going to be preaching and if you're going to be playing Christian music. We can't have that. So, I, you know, in my, my mentality would, or somebody's, in somebody's mind would be, well, that's too bad. That's it. What's done? But luckily, the missionary, they gave him a long time ago, it's a long story, but they gave him a property. And he called me and he says, hey, brother, let's do it at that property, you know, and we'll just invite the kids. We'll put up posters. We'll put up signs. Let's do it. And I said, let's do it. We're all in. It's going to be twice the work because we're going to have to set up chairs. We're going to have to set up shade. We're going to have to run a generator. We're gonna... The list goes on and on. So keep in mind, we had six bags in my truck. And then that night, that night, after the preaching was over, after we were giving away food, we gave away four big bags of trash, the trash bags, so it was 40 backpacks. Start keeping count, because I lose count after a while. We, we gave away 40 backpacks that night. The following day, um, a, a pastor called me and says, hey, can you help us out at church? We need somebody to play, and I said, okay. And I said, hey, we have some backpacks left over. If you guys want them, he's like, we haven't done anything for our kids. You know, thank you. How many do you need? I was like, well, as many as you got. And I said, okay. I opened the truck. I gave them four bags. Four bags. So that's another 40. And I said, hey, we have some candy bags. You want them? Yeah, we'll take them. Give them some candy bags. 
And then we went to another church, 30 minutes. I only had 30 minutes to get from that church to another church. We were going to go play at another church. And they're like, we haven't done anything for our kids. Well, I have some backpacks if you want some. <laughs> so we gave them another bag. So, you know, we, I don't, for some reason, when we popped the trunk, we still had another bag. We still, we still had another bag. To somebody that's like, well, you only had six. Well, we were already coming our way, and um, we stopped by the missionary because we're planning on another event uh, to Mexico. This one's going to be to Mexico. And uh, he said, uh, he gave me, actually gave me some stuff to bring over here for the children here. But he said, hey, um, did you guys have any backpacks? Did you guys give, you know, how he was asking us about the report and if we had given everything away. And I was like, well, for some reason, we still have another bag. Do you want it? Yeah. So we gave him a bag. I don't know how many bags was that. I think it's nine already, somewhere around there. So ten? I don't know. I'm losing. I lost count. Like I said, I lost count. Well, we still had more school supplies. My mom had made uh, the backpacks that, that, or the school supplies that didn't get a backpack. For some reason, I thought we had given those out. But they were still in the truck. So there was about five or six of them. She gave it to and for some reason, we still had 100 candy bags. So all that was sent to Mexico, and that was a blessing over there. And that's all I wanted to share with you guys. Thank you. I'm sorry. That is awesome. That's called the miracle of the bag. <laughs> we had a thing like that up in Upton, remember? We called it the miracle of the chili. 400 people showed up. We had a thing, a pot of chili, and it never emptied that whole night. And people kept getting up and getting chili. That's God. And this guy's called to preach. <laughs> I'm going to keep bugging him about that. <laughs> oh, God is good. Man, let's give God thanks real quick. Father, we thank you for what you did. Thank you, Lord, that you, you took what we gave and you multiplied it. Just like you did the five or the, 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 two, uh, the five loaves and two fish. And Lord, you fed 5,000, and in another instant, you, you fed 4,000. Lord, you're still a multiplier. You're still a God of healing, restoration, and deliverance. And we thank you for that. We thank you immensely in the name of Jesus. I'm going to have uh, Ron come up. Let's do our tithes and offerings tonight. And Alan. Yes, Linda. Uh, this last week, I had an angiogram done. My heart, I want to thank you for praying for me because God answered prayer. I had a previous test done, and it showed major blockage in one of the main arteries to my heart. So they decided that I needed to have an angiogram done and, and get that taken care of. So I did. And there was minimal blockage anywhere. <laughs> and I, I just, I, you know, I didn't have to have any sense, anything done. 
And I just want to praise and thank God for what he's done for an answered prayer because it's not happenstance, it's not by luck, it's not by anything else but God answering prayer. That's right, amen. I got to think tonight's going to be testimony night. <laughs> That's a great idea. Father, we thank you. Again, Lord, we want to give into your kingdom, not, not to get anything from it, but you give to us anyways. We want to give because we love you. And Father, just like you multiplied those bags, just like you cleared up the plaque, God, you can multiply what we give into the kingdom even in our tithes and offerings, and in the BGMC tonight. Father, we're, we're investing into the kingdom, and some things we're not going to see on this side of heaven. But one day we're going to see what our money did and who came into the kingdom because of it. So we thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Well, as they're doing that, doesn't that just lift your faith? Yeah, guys, you had a part in that. You had a part in that miracle. And man, thanks for sharing that. And I don't know if you know this, that's a miracle, walking miracle right now. His throat swelled up this last week, and he couldn't breathe. And he had to run to Mexico for them to give him a shot. They cleared it up. We need that shot here in America. <laughs> His name is Jesus. So, all right, would you please stand? Let's let's. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a mighty God, that you're an awesome God, again, that you answer prayer. Lord, I, I just thank you for the blessings that you've given us. And, Lord, I want to read from Psalm 100 real quick. It'll be real quick as you're just standing there in God's presence. Listen to this. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his we are his we are his people the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever his faithfulness continues through all generations in Jesus name yes, thank you Jesus okay Travel through this pilgrim and there is a friend who walks with me. Leads me safely through the sea. King said it is the Christ of Calvary. This would be my friend, your Lord, each day to help me do the best I can. For he to God day and night. Blessed Jesus, hold my Jesus, hold my hand, I need thee every day. Through this pilgrim land, protect me by the kind. Hear my feeling, hold on. When I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Travel through the light, divine, that I may see the blessed way. 
Change who I am, I belong to you. You know the enemy can't 
as we were worshiping you just kept putting this scripture on my heart God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and of a sound mind Lord the enemy can't take what belongs to you Lord we belong to you we love you Lord as that song says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. Lord, even with the reports that we're hearing of the spread of this new COVID variant and people getting sick, Lord, it says in your scripture, again, 1 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power 
That word power is the word dudamis, where we get the word dynamite, which means godly power. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. It's the enemy that is the author of fear. But God is the author of love. God has the power. He's given you power. He's given you a sound mind. Hallelujah. We thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's just wait for a minute. I feel like God wants to say something tonight. Can we just sit in his presence for a minute? Does God, has God given you something right now? Would you please share that? The Lord would say, you say you belong to me, but do I have all of you? Do I have you spirit, soul, and body? If you love me, my word says you will keep my commandments. My word is truth. It does not change. The circumstances that you face that the enemy wants to make appear to be a mountain are nothing more than a little pile of sand to me. I can kick it over as easily as I breathe, as I exist. When I told the children of Israel, when Moses, when they asked Moses and he had been sent, he'd seen me at the fiery, uh, at the fiery burning bush. And, and he asked me, who will I say sent me? And he said, you tell them I am sent you. Understand that even the enemy of your soul knows that I am. And that very phrase, that very uh, wording declares my might and my majesty and my power. You have no reason to fear. Fear comes from doubt. But that should not be a part of your life. You belong to me. I purchased you with the blood of my son, Jesus, on the cross. You are mine. Yes. And I take care of my own. Thank you, Jesus. Far better than you as parents take care of your children when you do the best you can for them. My care is so much greater. My care is so much more powerful. Rest in that power. Rest in that understanding that the I am has said. He has declared it, and it is happening. It is done. He said, I have told you, my word does not return to me void. Do you understand that when I send my word out, when you speak my word, it is powerful. You may not be that powerful. You may not think you're that powerful, but it's not you. It's my word. Yes, Lord. It's my spirit that goes along and anoints that word. It is my.
Father, we thank you for speaking to us tonight. Knowing that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. And Lord, we stand in it. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, Alan. God just kept dropping you on my heart. I appreciate you doing that, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. All right, well, good evening. I will try to keep this short because we have ice cream in the back. Yes, my kids, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're in the book of James, but before we go there, I want to look at a scripture real quick before we go there. This is dealing with fear. So go with me to Romans real quick, Romans chapter 8. We looked at it last week. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, look real quick with me, and we're going to start in verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, this is just for what the Lord spoke to us tonight. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it's not in my notes. It says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you again, or makes you a slave again to fear, But you have received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba. The word Abba in the original language is Daddy, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So just to to piggyback off of what God has spoken to us tonight, listen, you don't have to be a slave again to fear. If you're a child of God, you have God's spirit living in you. The enemy will try to throw fear your way in all kinds of different ways. But again, I've always used that acronym. False evidence appearing real. Satan tries to make things look bigger than they really are. So just a reminder, remember that scripture. God has not given you a fear, a heart of fear. He's given you a heart of love and power and of self-discipline or sound mind. Amen? All right, let's go to the book of James here. I've titled the message tonight, Useless Faith. And we're in chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Like I said, as a preacher, I've got to learn to just shorten it up a little bit tonight. All right, James chapter 2, read with me in verses 14 through 26. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. 
In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing bone and marrow and ligaments and muscles and tendons. And Lord, judging the attitudes and behaviors of the heart. Your word is true. I pray that you deal with us, each of us, in our hearts tonight. Lord, as the scripture says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. Father, help us to take your word and be doers of it. Help us to take your word and put it into practice. That's all of us, including myself tonight. Again, speak through me. Do and say what you want to do, Holy Spirit. Not me. I yield to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So again, useless faith. You, you can say you have faith, but if you have no actions, it's dead. So faith needs to be followed by action. Real faith is putting your, it into action. I, I think of this, as, and I don't have the passage tonight, but Peter. Remember, Lord, if it's you, help me to come out on the water. If, if Peter would not have gotten out of the boat, he would not have put his faith into action. Now, we can be in faith just like Peter, and when he saw the wind and the waves, what happened? He became fearful, which is the opposite of faith. That's doubt. So real faith is putting it into action. Look at verse 14. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? It's interesting here because Jesus says, by your fruits you will recognize them. As a believer, there should be fruits that show that we belong to him, right? Somebody should be able to say, hey, there's something different about that individual. There's something different about them. And, and you know, it's interesting. You can be a believer and make mistakes, and yet people seem to bypass those mistakes and still see the good. I don't know how God does it. There were times I'm like, really? You really saw that in me? If you only knew how I see myself sometimes, right? It's it's the Holy Spirit in you. L listen, when you get the Holy Spirit, when, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. I always like to use the example, and I don't have my oil thing, if, but anybody have a cup of water, you get the Holy Spirit, it's like getting a cup of water, right? The water's in the cup. The baptism of the Holy Spirit's like an overflow of that. You turn on the faucet, right? So in when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, Galatians 5, 22, talks about the fruits of the Spirit. So guess what? All of us that are born again tonight have the fruits of the Spirit. We just have to cultivate them. How many of us have our seeds still in the dirt with nothing growing out of it? God wants us to produce fruit, and that fruit is, is those deeds or are those deeds. So he says, what good is it, my brothers? How many of us hear that? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But where's the action to it? How do people know that you're different from the world? Real faith, real faith, again, is putting into action. Look at this. Real faith is seeing a need and helping with that need. Look at verses 15 and 16. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. 
if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? You know, I think about the, the bags that we gave. We saw a need and put our faith into action, and look what happened from it. For some of you who came in late, God multiplied the bags. They had four bags full of bags, right? And by the end, how many did you have? 11, 10 bags? 10 bags full of bags. He took four out. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with math. I'm pretty good with math. So you take four bags out of your car, right, Gabriel? I'm using what you shared tonight. And you go back into your car and there's more. Only God can do that. That's meeting that need, and God will multiply what you do. I'll give you an example of something that's similar like that, faith in action. When Stacy and I were on staff at Red Fork Assembly, we were children's pastors. And uh, working for Tulsa County with a new baby and living in an apartment where most of my pay went towards the apartment. And then you think you make a lot of money until you take out all your deductions and your insurance and all that stuff. And, and so by the time you... You get done with all that, you have barely enough to survive. And we believe in paying our tithes and giving our offerings to the Lord. And we had four fives, remember? We, we had four fives. How many is that? That's, you remember the math? What's four fives? $20. We went to church that day, and I told Stacy, and we always do this with each other. If God lays something in our heart, we'll turn to the other. Is this okay if I give this? I've sensed God's telling me to do this. So I took five out of that 20 and put it in the offering plate. So that left me with how many fives? Three fives. Yeah, we're arithmetic, right? We got to the bank, RC bank, RCB Bank, which is Rogers County Bank. We had to deposit that money in our account so that we had enough until I got paid. Living off of 15 bucks. I grabbed the envelope. I started counting off the fives. Five, 10, 15, 20. And I remember that? I came out and I went, no, that's not right. I did my counting wrong. So I counted it again. I ran out and I went, she's like, what, what? You know, I'm like, you ever talk to your wife through the window? And she's like, what's he talking about? And I'm all excited. So I put it in and I put $20. And I said, God multiplied our money. We took faith, gave to the Lord, and God multiplied it. I'm so glad, Gabriel, you gave me that illustration tonight. It fits right in with this. Faith is seeing a need and putting it into action. You remember I shared with you a couple Sundays ago on a Sunday morning about the gentleman that was homeless. That's putting faith in the action. If you weren't there, there was a homeless man at McDonald's. We drove by, and I stopped, and God dropped my heart. Give him something. Well, then my girl said, hey, Dad, can we give him something? I said, no, he's fine. He's all right. God had already told me to give him something, but I was ignoring the Lord. We took a turn, and the Lord said, well, you can turn around. And then all of them, my daughter said, well, Dad, you can turn around. I had two choices there, be obedient to the Lord or ignore the Lord. And I turned around, went back, and fed that man. That's putting faith into action. Now, what he does with that food is up to him. Our job is to give or to help. When we see a need, help those individuals. 
love on them. So if real faith is seeing a need and helping with that need. But Lord, I'm just going to, listen, prayer's off, prayer's important, that's very important. But if you're able to pray and do something, then do both. Don't just say, well, I'll pray for you. How about this? I've done this before. Oh, I'll pray for you. And then that person comes up, God really answered that prayer. And you went, oh. Right? Am I the only one that's ever done that? Now, I did pray for you, Linda. So I want you to know that. I prayed out here in the, mor in the morning out in the church. But there's been times I've done that. And I had to be honest with that person and say, you know what? I need, I need to apologize. I didn't pray for you. That's putting faith into action. That's putting, that's right, I've, always, I've shared this before, where the rubber meets the road. You're putting your faith into action. Listen to what this says. Paul also understood the necessity of works, improving the character of our faith. He wrote, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. He also wrote, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Now, good works don't save you, but once you get saved, there should be good works that come from your life. Look, there's all kinds of different fruits, right? Fruits of the Spirit, fruits of leading somebody to Christ, fruits of helping somebody with a drink. Man, those two guys, they have no idea. They're going to get to heaven one day and go, and, and they're going, what did I do for you, Lord? And, and he's going to say, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Those guys don't even realize it. I was thirsty, man. If you've ever rode your bike, and it's 90-some degrees out, and it hit that quick, and you're riding your bike, and you're like, man, I got so much farther to go. Believe me, by the time I got home, I got a drink of water and say, why don't you just go jump in the pool? And I did. Thank goodness for that. Go with me to the next verses. Look in verse 17 real quick. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. So you, if you say you have faith, but you're not acting on it, then it's a dead faith. That's what he says. If you say you have faith, but you're not doing things for the Lord, if you're not sharing the gospel, let me tell you something. That's a command from Jesus. That is a command. Am I going to make you feel bad tonight? Yeah, I'm making all of us feel bad tonight, but that's a command. It shouldn't make you feel bad. Listen, if, if you want a reward or you got an inheritance or you got something, you would be excited. If you were healed of a disease, would you tell people? Can I tell you, you were healed of a disease? It's called sin. So look at, look at go, let's go on farther, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. I like how he does that. James just tells you, good. That's great. You believe that there's a God. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Hey, for anybody that's dealing with fear tonight, look at that. Even, even the demons believe in God, and they shudder, and they're afraid. So you shouldn't be afraid. If God is for you, who can be what? Against you. Again, he's talking about faith. He's talking about putting your faith into action. So, even the demons believe 
Belief is not enough. It needs to be accompanied again by fruits. Let's go to John chapter 15. Go with me to John. We read this this morning, but I want to read it again. Go with me to John chapter 15. I got to hurry because they're going to get the ice cream ready. John chapter 15, read, let's read verses 1 through 8, and then we're going to go through this real quick. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Again, he's the only vine. He's it, right? It, it, you'll find John, there's seven I am's in the book of John that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. And, and the, the Jews would have known this because what is the name that God, God goes by? I am. He's the only one that got it. <laughs> if I had a gold star, I'd give it to you. No, you guys all got it. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. Listen, it's the I am. Jesus is I am. He's, he's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's part of the Trinity. He says, I am the true fine, and my Father is the gardener. One translation says husbandman. What that means is that he is the one that prunes and cuts and deals with things. Now look at this, he cuts off every branch in the me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So John is speaking about the branch being grafted into the vine. Understand this, if you're Gentile today, you've been grafted in. You're a wild shoot. Romans 11 talks about that. You're not of the natural shoot. And you can do that today. They can take olive, tree, olive trees and they graft those in. And, and they grow. But, a, a, but a, a, a wild olive tree branch in, in the natural will not graft into a tree. Did you know that? So God takes the impossible and makes it possible. He took you and I that are Gentiles and grafted this in and did something that was impossible. So he says here, he says, fruit is produced by abiding. We talked about that this morning. Fruit is produced by abiding. Yes, you have the fruits of the Spirit, but how do you produce them? Jesus says you can do nothing apart from him, right? So you're saying, okay, I got some fruit issues. Anybody got fruit issues? Anybody got some rotten fruit that needs to be cleaned up a little bit? I got some rotten fruit. Hang out with me for a week in my family and you'll know. That's pastor? Yeah, that's me. I'm no different than you. We're all the same. So fruit is produced by abiding relationship. Spending time in God's presence. Spending time in God's presence. Look at verse 5. Let's see it. Look what he says here. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains or continues in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
How many of you guys want to bear much fruit? It comes from abiding. Branches that don't produce fruit wither and die, and they are cut off. Now, that's interesting about this word. It's a Greek word, and I don't know why it put a box up there, but that, that's supposed to be arrow, or, um, but the Greek word for cut off is arrow, which has two meanings. Now, look at the first meaning. This is interesting because they really do this with the grapevine over there in, in Israel. The first is to raise up or elevate, lift up, to raise from the ground, take up stones, to raise up, upwards, elevate, or lift up. So the first one, he raises up. So you're struggling in your walk with God. Guess what God comes along? He starts to raise you up. He, he tries to bring life back to that branch. He tries to get the life from the vine back into the branch. The second one, and this is the scary part, the second is to move from its place, to take off or away what is attached, to anything to remove, to carry off, carry away with one, to take from among the living, either by a natural death or by violence or cause to cease. So the first one he raises up. But if that branch doesn't get life to it, eventually it gets what? Cut off. Now, I've had some people say, well, that, that, that's not true. I've heard some commentary say, well, it's just talking about the fruit. The problem is, is it says that you are a branch in the vine. It's speaking of the branch itself. It's the fruit that's produced from the branch in the vine. It's not just talking about fruit there. It's talking about relationship, fellowship with the vine. Who's the vine again? Jesus. Who are the branches? Us. He's talking about producing fruit. We're talking about putting faith into action. You want more action in your walk with God? Fellowship, relationship, prayer, right? How do you get electricity through your cable? You got to plug it in. I, I recommend don't ever put a bobby pin into a, a, an outlet. I did that when I was a teenager. It, it knocked the whole power out of the house, and then I cried because I knew I was in trouble. So we produce fruit through abiding. Now he gives, let's go back to James. Remember I told you I was going to keep this a short message tonight because we have ice cream on the way. Look what he says, Abraham is our example. Let's start in verse 20. He says, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. So Abraham said, listen, I believe God. The first, one, the first part of his action was when God said, I want you to leave the land of Ur and go to the land of Canaan. I'm going to take you to a place where there's flowing with milk and honey. That took a step of faith. God tells you to do something, right? Sometimes it takes a step of faith. When, when I went into full-time ministry, I had a, a retirement with Tulsa County. I'd been there for... Uh, 12 years of my military time counted, so I had 16 years in. And yet I sensed God was saying, no, it's time to go. And you, We kind of get into our comfort zone. We get comfort. 
I guess we get comfort. I don't know if that makes sense. We get comfortable. How's that? So we get comfortable. And God sometimes will move us out of our comfort zone and make us take a step of faith that we don't always like. But once we do it, there's fruit that comes from it. It's not always comfortable. Well, if we have enough time, let's go over to Genesis 22. Go with me to Genesis 22. So not only did Abraham have to leave the land of Ur and follow the Lord, but he also had to give up his only son. He was willing to sacrifice him here. Genesis 22, verses 1 through 14, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Let me stop here for a I want you to look at all the symbolism be between God and Jesus. Jesus rode a donkey. Jesus is God's only son. On the third day, what happened with Jesus? He rose from the grave. Verse 5, he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. What did Jesus carry on his back? The cross, wood. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, father Abraham, father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Future, Jesus is that lamb. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. You see the faith? God's going to provide. He even said, listen, we're going to go worship and then we'll come back to you. He told the servants, that's faith. He believed before it happened. He believed that God was going to uh, keep his son alive. Verse 9, when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, anytime you see the angel of the Lord, a lot of times it's a Christophanes, a physical manifestation of Jesus in the Old Testament. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now it's interesting because, get, get, get this, that's the same place, around the same place that Jesus was sacrificed. Mount Moriah, there in Jerusalem. Did God not provide? What does this have to do with Abraham? Abraham followed through 
He had faith, but he followed through. He was going to take his own son's life, and God saw his faith. God saw his actions. So Abraham's act of faith caused him be, to become something to God. Let's go back here to James. We're almost done here. So he followed through with his faith. Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Genesis 15, 6. Abraham's act of faith caused him to become God's friend. Look what he says here in verse 22, or 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Did you know we are called God's friend? If you're born again tonight, you're called God's friend. We often think of him as being angry and mad and upset with us, and we're just his servants. No, you are his friend. Here's the scripture. I hope you can read it. It's a little dark. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Now he's speaking to the disciples, but he's also speaking of us in the future sense. That when we get saved, we are God's friend. I want you to think about that for a minute. God calls you his friend. So when I'm in here praying in the morning, I'm talking to my friend. When you're praying at home or if you're out in the garden or wherever you're at, you're talking to your friend. Have you ever thought of it that way? Yes, we have reverence for him. Yes, we love him. But he's our friend. He's a friend that will uh, stick closer than the brother. I love that. I can call God my friend. Now, again, that doesn't set aside the reverence that we should have for him and the respect and all, but he is our friend. Rahab is our example, too. You know, Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus. Let's look on real quick. <clears throat> Let's look in verse 24. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Verse 25. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? I love the story of Rahab. How many of you guys have read the story of Rahab? The walls of Jericho. She puts the scarlet cord again, symbolic of Jesus. And it's the blood that saves you, that washes you and cleanses you and sets you free. Makes you as white as snow. It's, I love the symbolism in it. Here's a scarlet, scarlet uh, uh, you know, cord hanging from her window. She's a prostitute, which means the dirtiest, horrible, ungodly person can be saved. Be careful who you look down on because God saved you and he saved me. Chuck Swindoll once said, we always look at these Jeffrey Dahmers and all these people as horrible, terrible people. What they've done is horrible and terrible. But we have that ability in us because of sin. But the minute we get saved, God cleans us and washes us. If you only knew my life before I got saved, I stole money 
and mail out of people's houses. My mom had prayed, Lord, I don't know what to do. In Denver, we have a store called King Supers. And I store a little motorcycle out of the store and took it home. And I was playing with it. My sister caught me. I hid it underneath the, the cushion of the couch. My mom took me back to King Supers. They thought they were going to take me down to the jail as a little kid. <laughs> she prayed, Lord, I don't know what to do. So God said, take him down to the jailhouse. She took me down to the Federal Heights Police Department. They showed me the jail and talked to a police officer. And showed. After that, I stopped stealing because I told my mom, I'm not going to go sit on a sleep on a stainless steel bed. I used to beat up the kids in the neighborhood. I was a tyrant until I got saved. Jesus changed my life. Instead of stealing, I began to share and give and treat people right. So Rahab, she was a prostitute, and yet she took a step of faith with the two spies, remember, up on the roof, said, if... If you'll save my family, you can, you can take lodging here. Finally, look at this, Solomon, this is the lineage of Christ. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. And Jesus is going to sit on David, his lineage is throne forever our faith and our actions work hand in hand let's finish this last scripture and then we're going to close <clears throat> verse 26 says the body without the spirit is dead so faith without deeds <clears throat> is dead our faith and our actions work together and I want to read this a little bit and then we're going to close David Gusick, I like using his commentaries a lot. This is his words. As much as you can have a body with no life, a, a corpse, so you can have faith with no life. And faith without works is dead, faith unable to save. Therefore, if no deeds are forthcoming, it is proof that the professed faith is dead. Notice that James does not deny that it is faith. He simply indicates that it is not the right kind of faith. It is not living faith nor can it save. We can think of an apple tree. Where is the life of the tree? It is in the root and underneath the bark of the tree in the trunk. The life is not in the apples, the fruit that is displayed in season. But if the tree is alive, it will produce apples in season. Does that make sense? So the question is, where are your roots? Man is not justified by faith alone, that is, by a bare and empty knowledge of God. He is justified by works, that is, his righteousness is known and proved by its fruits. And that's exactly what James is saying. <clears throat> fruits are a result of your faith in Christ. If you are not producing fruit in your life, you need to check your relationship with Jesus. And that's only something you and the Lord can determine. I can't determine that for you. That's something you and God have to take up together. And God will make it known to you. He will make it clear to you. So produce fruit. I know this is a tough book. God's not always easy on us, is he? But sometimes we need it. Every head bowed, every eye closed here tonight. 
First question is, are you producing fruit? Only you can ask that question and only the Lord. If you're not producing fruit, now's the time to get right with the Lord. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. This is between you and God. If you know that you need to produce more fruit, He tells us what to do. He tells us to abide in fellowship with Him. If you are producing fruit, get ready because He's going to prune you. He's going he's to prune you just like He does a rose bush so that it produces pretty, beautiful roses. Father, I pray for each and every single one of us, including myself tonight. Lord, help us to produce fruit. Help us to put our faith into action. Lord, give us opportunities and divine appointments, whether that's to share the gospel with somebody, to feed somebody, to offer a cup of cold water to somebody. Lord, I believe that you will provide the means to do it. God, I pray if there's somebody here tonight that's not right with you, that you would begin to speak to them, that you'd begin to knock on the door of their hearts and remind them how important it is to have a relationship with you. Again, Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for your word. We praise you and glorify you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. And bless the ice cream we're about to eat in Jesus' name. Guys, thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. Love you.